Praise God, you're tuned in to the Pursuit of God Ministry podcast series. We keep our focus on the Word of God, that we may become better disciples for Christ. I want to thank you for tuning in as we take a departure from Mark. So, there's a lot that's been happening in the news lately, and I feel the need to address some of these things, uh, specifically because of the nature of which these things are happening. So, one thing... Uh, one thing that I, I will note is um, I've not always been the man of God that I am today. Um, that being said, I have come to the conclusion that with the with the places of acceptance that we have uh, made for this type of behavior in our government, that we're going down a slippery slope that is dangerous. And so before I read 2 Timothy chapter 4, uh, I want to preface all this by saying that God does not care about your political affiliation. God does not back any of the political uh, institutions that we have in this country. God does not back our government. God does not back the Republicans. God does not back the Democrats. God does not back our bipartisan uh, committee. God is not limited, nor is he uh, constrained to the ideologies or the idolations of any particular political party or group. And I say that because what we have experienced since 2016 is that we have had individuals with character traits that are contrast to the character of God who evangelicals in our political realm have thrown their backings behind these people making statements uh, to the degree that God is back in the White House or God is with uh, the people in our Congress or whatever the case may be. And what I want you to understand is that God does not support a religion. God's God's support is not um, directed by any particular party. God's support of who he supports is directed by the lifestyle in which we live. So if you're looking to get God to back you in the things that you're doing, the one thing that you have to do is you have to live a life that is pleasing to God. Because when you live a life that is pleasing to God, all the promises of the Bible are opened up to you and they're at your disposal. But when we live lives that are contrary to the things of God, then we don't find ourselves underneath the category or the umbrella of uh, of an heir of God, right? And we talked about this in Romans chapter 8, that those who are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. So if we're living a life that is contrary to the Spirit of God, then we are not sons of God. We are not daughters of God. Instead, we are sons and daughters of the flesh because that is all we're, we're striving after. That is all we're focused after. Um, so when we're looking at this, it's not about a political party. What it is about is it's about the life that each and every one of us are accountable for that we live. I am accountable for my life, not my, not my political affiliation, right? So 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses uh, 1 through 8 read, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who is, the, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearance,
hearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ear from the truth and will turn aside to myth. But you be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am ready, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the course, I have kept the faith. In the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So why start off the way that I started off? Why read this scripture? As I've been following the news, and like I said, following the news since 2016, um, I have watched over and over again evangelicals, pastors, preachers, teachers, give their support and, and the backing of God to individuals who do not display the character of God. And when they do this, they do this at the detriment to the name of God. Because when we say that we are Christians, when we say that we believe in God and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, the things that we do, other people are watching. And when we do things and when we say things and when we back individuals, whose character stands against in stark contrast to the things of God, and we claim that God is in that particular issue or that particular situation or with that particular person, what we have done is, is we have decimated the name of God in order to further our own agenda. Because when people see who we as Christians back, when people see who we as Christians say that this is the man of God or this is who God has called to do such and such, what we are doing is, is we're creating an unfair image of who God is in light of a backdrop that is not something that is pleasing or appealing to the things of God. And so last week, I watched the, the, the testimony of Brett Kavanaugh to the, the Supreme Court, uh, or not the Supreme Court, sorry, the Senate Judiciary Committee. And while I'm not saying that Brett Kavanaugh or Brett Kavanaugh is guilty uh, of what is being brought up, um, I'm also not saying that he's not guilty because I don't know. I don't have all the facts. And that's one of the reasons why I'm glad that they granted an FBI investigation. Um, but watching and seeing that and, and seeing that he was being accused of sexually assaulting Dr. Ford and, and hearing the Republican Party specifically uh, ignore the fact that this woman said that she was sexually assaulted. And they ignored that in order to further their own agenda in whatever it is that they're trying to do. Now, I'm neither Republican nor am I Democrat. I'm truly independent and I don't care. I just want whoever the best person is in the positions to do the best job that they can do. But what we get at with, with what's going on there and what we go, what's going on in our government 
is we have people who, when it comes time to make uh, an, an, an election bid, um, whether it's a national election or whether it's the gubernatorial elections for the local populace or, or, or whatever it may be, they make this stance to try to create this image that they are God-fearing people. And they, they stand on that. And some, some, may, some very well may stand true to what they believe in. But what I'm getting at is we cannot just use the name of God in order to further our own selves. If we are to name the name of God, then we should be about the business of God's work. And so that's why I've come to this particular scripture, because we are charged in God's presence and in, and in the presence of Christ Jesus, who is, the, who is to judge the living and the dead to preach the word. And we're charged to be ready in and out of season to reprove, rebuke, exhort, and with great patience uh, instruct, right? And so when we look at this, a lot of times we use this in order to um, force people to accept the fact that we ask them to preach on this day or whatever the case may be, and we kind of take it out of context. But essentially what we're getting at is, is God is calling you to be, uh, to be someone who actually understands who he is. He's calling you to be someone who actually understand what he stands for. And in understanding who he is and what he stands for, he's then charging you to, to understand that and then to, re, and then to replicate who he is in your life so that you can walk, talk, breathe, and move as God would in this world so that when you reprove somebody, when you correct somebody, when you uplift somebody, when you instruct someone, that you're not doing it out of your own selfish gain or your selfish vanity, but you are doing it in order to further God's kingdom because your motives are pure and your heart is sincere. When our motives are not pure and our heart is unsincere, we get to a place where verse three comes in for time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires um, and will turn away their ear from the truth and will turn aside to myths. Right. There is a prophet in the Old Testament. Um, and, and the thing I love about him is when they come to approach this king and this king wants to go start this war. Uh, all his prophets, all his all his prophets are like, God is with you. Go do it. God will surely deliver them into your hand. God is going to make you win this. And and uh, the king is challenged because there was like, hey, do we not have any other prophets um, that could kind of tell us what's going on? And the king says, there's one prophet and I can't stand him because he never says anything good to me. He never has a word that will bless me. He always says something that comes against me. Right. And some of this is a little paraphrase or whatever. Um, and so they they call this prophet and this prophet shows up and the king is like, hey, if I go start this war, will God be with me? And, you know, he's all sarcastic. He's like, yes, go. God will be with you. And, and the king gets all mad and he's like, see, this is what I'm talking about. Uh, but the prophet comes out and the prophet tells the king exactly what God says, which is which basically amounts to no, I'm not telling you to go take these people. I'm not telling you to start this war. That's not what I have for you to do. 
But all these other prophets who claim to speak on God's behalf are telling the king that God said you can do this. But this one prophet stands alone by himself and stands by what God says and tells the king, no, God is not with you on this. Right. So if we don't take accountability for ourselves in understanding who God is and what God stands for, then we will become like all the other prophets who told the king, go. Because we haven't taken the time ourselves to, 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 to seek God in order to understand what it is he has for us. And so I say all this to say this, right? If people turn away from God, they are going to seek the people who are going to say what they want them to say. And unfortunately, the way our system is set up with this bipartisan election is it's more about the party than it is about the person sitting in the office. And unfortunately, we have a lot of people sitting in office who who belong to a particular party that people are saying God backs these people when God doesn't even back them people because he's not even backing a specific party. Right. And this is not necessarily meant to be a political uh, anything. This is meant to to serve as an eye opening and and an awakening podcast to you to understand that God does not care whether you're Republican or Democrat. He doesn't care if you belong to the oligarchy in in these overseas countries. He doesn't care if you belong to the parliament in some of these countries or whatever the makeup is of these political governments across the world. God doesn't care about any of that. What God cares about is what he said in Samuel when, when he said, I Man looks at the outside, but I look at the heart. God is looking at our heart to understand where we stand with him, right? That's the same reason why in Mark chapter 9, Jesus asked the question, who do men say I am? Because his, his concern is not necessarily with, with, with uh, who people say what God is doing or whatever the case with. His concern is, is who, how do you see me? How do you see me? And that's why he turned around to the disciples and he asked them, who do you say I am? Because it's about who you see God to be. And if we don't see God for who he is, then we've missed the point of coming to understand who God is. Right. Because we're so busy wanting God to fit in our bubble that we go and we look for doctrine. We go and look for people that will tickle our ears with what we want to hear, as opposed to telling us what we need to hear. God don't care about your political affiliation. God doesn't care about where you get your degree from. God doesn't care about your upbringing or your background. What he cares about is who do you say he is? Who do you believe God to be? What is it in your conviction that shows you that you love God? What is it in your life that draws you to God? That's what he cares about. But if all we care about is the look, right? We talked about this when we talked about Isaiah chapter one, uh, verses 10 through 20. Who told you to do these new moon services? Who told me, who told you to do these feasts? I can't stand them. I hate your incense. I, I, I hate your new moon Sabbath. I hate your trampling of my course. I hate all of this. Put it away from me, right? That's, that's all from Isaiah chapter one, verses 10 through 20, up until the part where he says, come, let us reason. Though your sins is is as red as as scarlet, I will wash you and make you clean. But 
we have to turn away from the wrong things and we have to consent and obey to the things of God, right? The things of God, not the religion, not the religion of Christianity, not the religion of Baptists, not the religion of of Methodists, not the Pope, not Catholicism, not any of those things that fall under the umbrella of Christianity. We are to commit ourselves and obey unto God. Unto God, because the word of God tells us that sacrifice is, is, is that, that obedience is better than sacrifice. Your sacrifice means nothing to God if you are if you refuse to be obedient to the things of God. If instead of hearing God when he tells you, if instead of finding people with sound doctrine in the things of God, you only concern yourselves with the things that tickle your ear then you put yourself in a position that every sacrifice you make is for nothing. It's for nothing. Right? We talked about this last week with the rich young ruler. When he came to Jesus and he said, what do I have to do to to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, one thing you lack, sell all your possessions, give it to the poor and come follow me. Right? But even before he said, come follow me, he said, you know the commandments. And the rich man said, I've kept them from my whole youth. From my whole upbringing. And then he said, you lack one thing. Go sell everything. Come follow me. But the rich, the rich young ruler couldn't do that. And he was greatly grieved. And he walked away because he had great, posi- he had great uh, possessions. Right? It's not about the obligation of Christianity or whatever underneath that umbrella of Christianity you fall with. It's not about the obligation to that religion that matters. It's about your commitment and your obedience to the things of God. It's not about the pastor that you follow, because I've been to too many churches with pastors who who the congregation worships the pastor. They put the pastor on the pedestal that is supposed to be reserved for God. All that they do is for nothing. Because that's not what God is concerned about. So he says, if. If we're not careful, if we're not ready, if, if we're not understanding the things of God, if, we're, if we don't have the patience to be able to instruct in the things of God, if we don't have the patience to reprove people, to rebuke people, to exhort people, then, then what we're going to end up finding ourselves being is frustrated because when we look at things, we're going to be backing things that have nothing to do with God because... We've allowed ourselves to become people who only want to tickle the ears of other people, right? So with this understanding, what we have to understand above and beyond everything else, God does not care what you look like, who you support, or any of those things. The question becomes, are you ready? Are you ready? Because even when we look at this, it says that God is going to judge us. He's going to judge the living and the dead. He is going to judge the living and the dead. Based off of how they live their life. Based off of what they stand for. Based off of their commitment to him. He will judge their life. He's not judging a political party. He's not judging uh, uh, the, 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 the idea of Christianity in someone's life. He's judging the person for their obedience. He's judging the person for their commitment, right? And and so we go on and we see 
um, after he talks about the fact that they're going to uh, accumulate pickle, people to tickle their ears. Um, he says, you be sober in all things, endure hardships to the work of an uh, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Right. There's another scripture where it says, be not deceived. God's not mocked. Right. And in all that we do, people are going to try to deceive you. They're going to try to deceive you and make you think things that are not true. But that's why we have to be sober, right? This, this verse 5 doesn't have anything to do with alcohol like a lot of us try to make it seem so that we can condemn people who drink alcohol. It has nothing to do with it. What he is telling us or what scripture is telling us is to be sober so that we can endure everything that we face and we can do the work of an evangelist. What is the work of an evangelist? <laughs> it's what verse five ends with, fulfill your ministry, right? Whatever it is that God has charged you to do, that is your job. That is, that is you being an evangelist, whether that's you being a preacher, teacher, whether that's you, you being a songwriter, whether that's you being on the praise team, whether that's you being a musician, Whatever it is, whatever position that you find yourself in that God can use you to reach somebody, that's what makes you an evangelist. And when you fulfill the purpose on your life that God has given you, then you are sober because you understand that your witness is more important than the things that you have to sacrifice in order to follow God. Right. There are things that I choose not to do, not because I don't want to do it, but because I understand that my witness is my witness. Right. I refuse to be some of these evangelists that get on TV and throw their support to people who have no respect for women. I refuse to be one of these people who throws their support uh, to, to people who are convicted of, of, of crimes that go against the things of God. I refuse to be an evangelical that throws my backing and my support behind people whose lifestyles are completely contrary to the things of God. I refuse to be a school that will allow somebody to come on their stage and, and quote scripture and read scripture and talk about scripture and don't understand what it is that they're quoting. I refuse to be one of these people. So I keep myself sober in the things of God. I keep myself sober and grounded in God's things so I don't become someone who, who people come to only so that I can tickle their ear. No, I want to stay ready so that when God sends me to reprove somebody, I can do it. That when God sends me to rebuke somebody, I can do it. That when God sends me to exhort someone, I can do it. When God sends me to instruct someone, I can do it. But if we become drunk in power, if we become drunk in, 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 in pride, if we become drunk in selfishness, if we become drunk thinking that we can do all things we, and, and become like, like, like Luke, Lucifer, where he thought that the, that, that the glory that God shined off of him was his glory, if we become drunk with those things, then we lose our ability to do the work of an evangelist and to fulfill the ministry because instead of remaining humble in these things, we have gotten drunk off of what we think we are and who we think we are. And then we think and believe that we control the things of God. 
We think that we are the ones who own the, the, the truth of, of, of God's understanding, of God's word, of God's direction. I refuse to be that person. Right? And you should refuse to be that person. You should refuse to become a drunk Christian that thinks that you have all the answers or that you control the things of God, or that you dictate when God is in something and when God is not in something. Like when we get to that place where we become so drunk on who we think we are as Christians, we lose every bit of anything that we had to reach folks. Because when we become drunk, we become unable to endure hardship. And when we become unable to endure hardships, we start to come up with doctrine and and teachings that tickle the ears of people, that tickle our own ears, that that give us justification for doing and acting in the ways that we do and act. That's not what God is about. God is about relationship with us. God is about a commitment with us. We want God to do all these things, but we refuse to be accountable to God. We want God to direct our footsteps, but we refuse to be accountable to God. We want God to be Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our provider, but we refuse to be accountable to God. Just because you say you're a Christian and you hold some title or position or you're sitting in a position in which you can be considered a figurehead for Christianity, it don't mean that God is with you any more than he's with the homeless person that sits on the street. Because the homeless person on the street can be more accountable to his relationship with God than you as someone with the title of an evangelical or a bishop or or, or the pope or an archbishop or whatever title you want to throw in front of it. It's about the commitment. It's about our commitment to God and to the things of God and to stand fast in the things of God and to stay sober in the things of God. Right? And so skipping verse 6, we get to verse 7 and verse 8, and then I'm, I'm done. Paul writes, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but all those who have loved his appearing. I keep saying this. When you die, you will stand before God for yourself. You're not going to stand before God as a Republican Party. You're not going to stand before God as as a Democratic Party. You're not going to stand before God as an independent party. You're not going to stand before God as as the Tea Party or any other party, any other government affiliation, any other bipartisan, political, whatever. That's not how you're going to stand before God. You're not even going to stand before God as the Church of AME. You're not going to stand before God as the Church of God in Christ. You're not going to stand before God as whatever. You will stand before God for yourself. And if your life is not a life that is pleasing to God, 
And if you don't have accountability to your relationship with God, I ask you the question, when it's all said and done and you stand before God, can you honestly say right now with the way that you live your life that you have fought the good fight, that you have finished the course, that you have kept the race, that you have kept the faith? Can you say that? Because if we're not living a life that can stand by that, then we can't hear God say, well done. Because like, it's, like it goes on to say, the Lord, the righteous judge, the righteous judge, God will judge you based off of your commitment and your accountability and your obedience to the things of God. Are you ready to be judged? And if you're not ready to be judged, maybe it's time for you to really consider how you're living your life. Maybe it's time for you to really consider what it means to follow after God. Maybe it's time for you to do some self-evaluation to find out where you're away from God. Maybe it's time for you to get back on the journey towards holiness. With that, I end this podcast. If there was anything that was said during this podcast that may have been confusing or you want more information about, please feel free to leave a comment below or you can go to the website at www.pursuitofgodministry.com. You can find this podcast there and leave a comment there. Or you can uh, go to any one of our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can even find the video of this on YouTube and you can leave us a comment there as well. Uh, if you haven't done so, uh, I just list out all the platforms that we're on. Subscribe on one of those platforms if you haven't done so. That way you can always be abreast of when we release new content or whatever the case may be. Uh, but like I said, uh, not belaboring the point any further, it's not about your affiliation with anything that's going to get you into heaven. It's not about tickling other people's ears that's going to get you into heaven. It's not about finding people who are going to tickle your ears that's going to get you into heaven. What is going to get you into heaven is simply put, your obedience to God, your commitment to God, and your accountability to God. That's it. That's what's going to get you into heaven. So like I said, if you're not ready to be judged today, maybe it's time to get yourself together. And the beauty of it is, is that God is a God of many chances. And it's not too late for you today to get it right. And if that's you, take yourself into your prayer closet. And if you don't have a prayer closet, take yourself into some place where it can just be you and God. Take that time to get right for yourself. Not for other people. Not to please other people. But simply for yourself. With that, I end this podcast. I hope something was said to help you in your journey for holiness. Until the next time, thank you. God bless.